Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of Hi, I Think You're Nice, the podcast where I speak to a nice person about nice things for about an hour. Hello there. My name is Sarah Hanshar, and I am your host. How's it going? I'm super jazzed to present this episode to you, Sword Fighting with Brennan. Oh my goodness, I'm not going to get into it much because this particular style of sword fighting is very unique and singular. It's the Western Circle style of sword fighting, and uh, Brennan will tell you all about it. It's intense, it's cool, it has a lot of facets to it, and occasionally axes. If you are in the Seattle area and you are interested in learning more about this style of sword fighting or becoming a part of it, hey, you can get in touch with Brennan, brennanmarquez at gmail.com. That is spelled B-R-E-N-N-A-N-M-A-R-Q-U-E-Z at gmail.com. Hey, I'm a guest on a friend's podcast. It's coming out tomorrow, January 22nd. It's called Let's Face the Facts with David Almeida. He's a good friend of mine from the old Disney days back in Florida, and he has a podcast about the facts of life. So he goes episode by episode, and he uh, gets hot takes of that episode with friends of his who are also artists or actors or what have you, just lovely people talking about interesting episodes of the facts of life, which full disclosure, I had never seen before. So when I was doing my research for it and watched an episode, I'm like, holy crap, this is a super great show. And uh, it's a super great podcast as well. So I highly recommend checking out Let's Face the Facts. I'm on board 100%. If you would like to hear yours truly, tune in tomorrow. And uh, I recommend just tuning in all of the time because it's super fun. Don't forget, you can find me on Facebook, I Think You're Nice, Instagram, I Think You're Nice, and Twitter, I Think You're Nice. Make sure you check out Facebook and Instagram because I'm posting pictures of the cool stuff that Brennan is up to, so that way you can get a visual aid to go along with uh, what kind of fighting and sword fighting we're talking about. So just find me on Facebook, I Think You're Nice, Instagram, I Think You're Nice, and you'll see some really cool pics of some really cool stuff. Let's get into this episode, shall we? I think we shall. Here we go. Sword fighting with Brennan. Have fun. Hi, I think you're nice. Why, hi, I think you're nice. Let's have a seat and let's have a nice time. I think you're nice. So let's chat. So let's chat. So let's chat. I think you're nice. So let's chat. Hi, everybody. My name is Sarah Hanchar, and welcome to Hi, I Think You're Nice, the podcast where I speak to a nice person about nice things for about an hour. And today my guest is Brennan Marquez, and we're going to talk about sword fighting. Hi, Brennan. Hello, Sarah. Hi, how are you? I'm great, and partly great because I'm super excited to be here. Yay! I'm so glad. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. Um, Brennan was one of the first friends that Patrick and I made here in Seattle. And um, <laughs> before I even moved here, exactly, because uh, I was trying to do that bi-coastal living thing, <sighs> and that was <laughs> challenging. Um, but I would hear about Patrick sword fighting. He's like, I started sword fighting. And I'm like, cool. What do you mean? It, it's, <laughs> and then he explained it because I figured it was like the Olympics. And it's mm. very much, no, it's very different than what we think of. Hmm. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> so this is always an interesting thing. People always say when 
when I say, oh, I teach and I practice sword fighting, mm-hmm. usually one of the first things that people say is, oh, you mean fencing, which is what we're most familiar with seeing at the Olympics. Yeah. There are several different iterations of fencing as well that I'm not sure that all of them are used in competition there, but uh, I always have to say, no, no, it's not uh, – it's not fencing. And then people say, oh, you mean like LARPing? And I say, no, no, <laughs> no, definitely not like LARPing, uh, which is funny because I realize I'm sensitive about it being considered not a real thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is silly in a lot of ways because the reality is, although we approach it like a martial art, I'm not walking around on the street with a sword to protect myself with. So it's really not a very functional martial art. But it is very much more based around Asian styles initially. And the interesting thing about this particular group, which is the Western Circle of Sword Fighters, is that over the years, and it's been just a little over three decades that it has really existed, the style has changed quite a bit because, yeah, quite a bit. So we started out with a foundation, but along the way, We had people that came into it that had experience, for instance, fencing, much closer to what you'd see in the Olympics. Or they had experience with styles aside from Japanese styles, which is where the foundation lives. And those things were incorporated into the mix because the folks that really started to codify the martial art were excited about sword fighting and functional sword fighting rather than being true to one specific tradition. Oh, okay. So we have our own we have our own traditions, but I would say that those traditions are much more in the way that we treat and interact with each other than they are saying you have to do sword fighting in this manner exclusively. And if, when, and when you ahead. say like this this manner, do you mean like moves or do you mean how it is taught or both? At the end of the day, all of the above. Yeah. Okay. So both. We really try and look at it as it's a living martial art. Again, slightly oxymoronic to say since <laughs> uh, since it is not a very functional contemporary martial art. And the only way we get to practice it is amongst the group and with each other when we're, we're sparring and whatnot. But uh, we do want it to continue to grow and change. And if we find something that works better or is going to influence the way we move, teach, um, whatever it might be, we want to incorporate that into the mix. So it ends up that people fight with all sorts of different styles as well uh, of weapons, anything from Asian style weapons to very traditional Western style weapons or sword and shield, or some people fight with axes and all sorts of things. So I I didn't know axes were involved. They can be if you choose to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Well, that's... Something I need to see. And um, <laughs> I guess it would behoove me to ask or to say we're referring to the Western Circle sword fighting. Correct. Or what, what is – so what would you put on your studio? If you had a studio ah. exclusively teaching this martial art, what would it say on it? It, it would be uh, the Western Circle of sword fighters. So it is the art that I have been trained in and uh, I have a very specific style. I don't – not able to teach everybody all styles because I don't necessarily have the training necessary to do that. I can bring people up to certain levels within styles other than my own within the Western circle. But on the dojo, I would say Western circle of sword fighters or to make it concise, the WCOS. Yeah. Okay. That, that would be the way, of course, that we anachronize An- initialism. Initialism. It's an initialism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, but then it'd be like the secret password. Like, do you know what the WC? Oh, you've, you've really w- keyed into something there, Sarah, because <laughs> I can't tell you how many secret passwords there are <gasps> within the WCOS. And the reason I can't tell you is because then they wouldn't be secrets anymore. They wouldn't be secrets. Mm-hmm. And also, I am not a student. So you can't, <laughs> you can't blab that. It's like Fight Club, I imagine. There. <laughs> It's not like Fight Club. <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness. <laughs> thank Sorry, goodness. that'd be really intense. Well, they have swords, you guys. Big swords. Well, like the, real swords. The interesting thing is, is that there are people that definitely have split personalities, as arguably Tyler Durden is, right? Oh, In okay. Fight Club. Um, one of the things that you have a choice to do when you enter into the Western Circle and start training is you can have a sword name. Really? You can. It is absolutely your choice. You can be called whatever you like. So there are people who choose a name. For instance, their given name might be Aaron, mm-hmm. and they might choose a sword name that is Eric. Okay. Which Okay, they always wanted to be called Eric, or maybe they're doing honor to somebody that they know in their life that they wanted to appreciate that. Other people will have things like uh, Umbra, which is shadow. I think it's the shadow on the moon. Oh, okay. Typically, or trying to think of some others. One of my students has taken on the moniker of Ravenstar. Ooh. Yeah, so there's, there's all sorts of names that you can choose. And it was was interesting to me. I remember when my first teacher asked me and he said, well, do you want to have a sword name? Because you can have that. And I think this goes back to my sensitivity about the recreationist element and the LARPing mm-hmm. bit. But I said, I, I, I think Brennan will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been, I've been fine with that. Although I have been given a sword name by, uh, by one of my teachers that has been given to me. And I, I can't refuse because I feel like a nickname is best if it's given rather than you choosing it for yourself. That's so, true. Yeah. So what's your sword name? Are we allowed to know? Oh, certainly. Yeah, there, this is this is not a secret password. Okay, scenario. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> so I am the severer. The severer. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Mm. That's coming in hot. It is coming in hot, yes. <laughs> the uh, severer. Uh, actually, it's coming in very sharp the, yeah. <laughs> and, and pointed. Pointed yeah. and well-placed. Mm. And well, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, the reason that that this teacher uh, assigned me that name, the Severer, is because I did cut a finger off of his hand. In- no. Yes. No, you did not. Brennan. I did. Brennan Marquez. You did not. You did not. I'm sorry. I'm laughing. Oh, God. I'm so sorry. Well, it was able to be reattached. So That was my next question. Are you for realsies and for truesies? Yes, for realsies and for truesies. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. At your no, pain or his pain? Well, it's okay. I wasn't ready. It was, yeah, it was quite an experience, actually. So we were in combat, we were fighting, and it was a semi-public arena, which doesn't happen all that often. Okay. Uh, and yet in this particular arena, it, it, we fought and I struck and I won the, won the match. Mm-hmm. And we fought one or two other matches after that. And then he disappeared off the field. He went went into the back area, our staging area, our green room, if you if you will. Sure. And uh, a few moments later, another person came out and she said, another another teacher, and she came out and she said, Brennan, uh, you're going to have to do the pumpkin cutting demonstration because I'm taking Gad to the hospital because you've cut his finger off of his hand. Oh, my God. 
And I said, okay, I guess I'll do the pumpkin cutting demonstration. <laughs> and it's the least I can yeah, do. <laughs> exactly. So they, they disappeared and we did the rest of the day for the audience that was there and, and the people that were there and, and so on and so forth. And pumpkin cutting was, was very, very clean, very precise. It was good. Very good. It went well. It went well. Oh, God. Seeds everywhere. Seeds everywhere. everywhere. I imagine that's a demonstration yeah. to show like cool slicing or well yes and to show that in the, this case obviously we were using steel which is something we haven't talked about we'll get to that i suppose yeah or we will we, won't. we will <laughs> but uh that we do use steel and although it is blunted for our own safety it still has the potential to do damage because we never want to forget that these are deadly weapons and dangerous so yeah we're trying to we're trying to make sure that people have respect for the weapons because we they can't just come up and grab them and so on and so forth. So if we can yeah. if we can demonstrate that they can do damage and a pumpkin, they'll do damage to a pumpkin for sure. Yeah. So we show that. But anyway, so we went oh. through the rest of the day. I actually <laughs> went back to my car and was going to be heading out of there. And there was a message on my cell phone from the teacher at, whose finger I had severed. Mm -hmm. uh, his name is Gad. He's actually the head teacher within the circle these days. And his, his message was, Brennan. <laughs> You need to let go of any guilt you may feel from having severed my finger from my hand. Your cut was good and your intent was good. The error was mine. I blocked with my hand and had neglected to armor my hand appropriately. So that was the message that was on there. He's a teacher even in that moment. Wow, that trying, was... Yeah, trying to get me to let go of any concerns I had about it, which was which I thought was extraordinary. From from the standpoint of wow, this person is concerned about the lessons I'm going to take away from this as a yeah. student, which was really really something. And of course, ever since then, he's never let me live it down. Well, can you? No, no, yeah, I can't. I'm sorry. Oh, it's. <laughs> I mean, again, again, he's got he's got the majority of his mobility out of that finger. It works just fine. So. Lessons learned. I can guarantee that's a teaching moment for a lot of reasons moving oh, goodness, forward. Yes. Hey, kids, I remember when I didn't block my hand appropriately, and guess what happened? Mm. Also, that puts, like you mentioned, like he teched, you did do the pumpkin demonstration with a person if for the future, him saying, you know, these are serious weapons, just require serious respect for them, and there, boom, you did it. Look how many, look how many favors you did him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yes. I had no idea. Um, I'm I'm gonna assume I had no idea. Does Patrick know the story by any chance? I'm pretty certain he does. Oh my goodness! It's weird how he's never told me that before because I've raised my concerns about safety. Yeah, <laughs> it's I, weird that he's never told me that. I can see some very specific reasons why he <laughs> might not have told you. Yeah, yeah, I I get it. Um, yeah. So my my first impression of the sword fighting, I genuinely mm. um. It's it's for for listeners who haven't seen it firsthand. Um, Brennan mentioned traditional weapons, so there's like the katana, yes, yes, and then so if you look at a katana, Patrick sword sword fights with wood and that synthetic stuff, yes, um, which are still serious, um, and heavy and pointy, um, and you you fight with a broadsword. 
Yes, or... it's it's very similar actually. I've got a I've got one of those synthetics as well. Patrick nice. and I got them at the same time, and we work with those together. He has some concerns about fighting with wood, although the traditional scenario within the Western Circle is that you start out with wood and you work with wood until you reach a rank and you have to test for ranks along the way. Yeah. Until you reach a rank where you could choose to fight with steel if you wish to. And of course, everything is elective. You're always going to go as far as you want to go. And ideally, your teacher will help you decide those sorts of things. But the primary weapon I fight with is a broadsword style uh, yeah. type of weapon. Although since I started also with a katana, which is the wooden weapon that Patrick fights with as mm -hmm. well. I feel that my style is not as much a Western martial arts style, which Western weapons, and when we say Western, we're really talking medieval and broadsword style scenarios oh, versus okay. Asian, which would be the katana and the curved blades. There's a different motion to the cut with those things. And Western weapons tended to be a little bit more of an impact weapon rather than a cutting weapon. Oh, like blunt force trauma sort exactly. of Exactly. And oh. especially considering that at certain times, people would start to have relatively solid armor of of certain, you know, levels, you know. And you, it was really about bruising them to the to the extent that they could got so exhausted they couldn't fight back any longer. And then maybe you'd be able to find a way to finish them off. But I think that a lot of competition in Western martial arts actually did not involve the end of somebody. It was about beating that person enough that they were going to give up and be done. Oh. And so there was some impact when you're talking about heavy, heavy weapons and heavy armor and whatnot, Yeah, you know, which we don't focus on that impact so much. We focus on what a good cut is and whatnot. So the armor that we utilize is there to protect us because our concept is, is that we're fighting without an armor factor. Mm -hmm. And that means that, part of the learning of the within the western circle is as somebody who is making a cut you should know by the time you're really involved in sparring and fighting you should know what a good cut is so that if something lands on somebody and ideally you're primarily trying to strike armored areas at a medium level of force control is a large portion of what you'd learn yeah. and develop as well but you should know if your blade lands on somebody and they call out kill which is their job, just if they feel an impact to shout kill, okay. your job is to know, yes, that was a good cut. Mm -hmm. So that you don't have to hit people as hard as you possibly can to make it clear. And you don't have to do this thing. It's about technique and ideally in the long run, precision, control, and refinement of your skills. So again, one of those skills to learn is, well, this is a good cut. And oh, no, that blade was flat or it rolled oh, or that okay. wasn't on the proper angle. And so it wouldn't have cut or no, it would only be a wound fight on, you know, so you can continue to fight on and we can be relatively safe. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people use relatively light armor, although that's their choice. Yeah. So it's very interesting in that regard. For sure. Yeah. Well, we will definitely get into armor, um, in a moment. Um, because <clears throat> I kind of want to talk about your journey with it. We talked uh, yes. about what made it uh, makes it different, and we can continue to to talk about those as well. But how how did you find this thing? <laughs> it's it's it seems very. I, I mean, is it a is it a large population of people who participate in it? Or yeah, within the Western Circle, it is not uh, that large of a group. I would say that there are there are between sixty 
and probably a hundred relatively active members. Okay. Primarily based in in Northern California. Okay. But I came to it uh, when I was in Southern California, and actually started in two thousand and one. So I've been doing this for a little while now, and. A friend of mine that I had known for a long time, actually had done theater with uh, on and off over the years, he and I's lives have kind of followed each other. And we had met each other in Santa Cruz, which is where we were both from originally. And he was going to UCSC and I was sneaking in to do shows at UCSC and we, we got to know each other. Oh. Yeah, It's a whole nother story perhaps. <laughs> but uh, in any case, uh, we, we did some shows together and got to know each other and we had a bunch of the same friends as well. Then I moved down to Los Angeles. Turned out he moved down to Los Angeles not long afterwards and we started spending time together and hanging out again and, and also doing theater and all sorts of things down there. And one time we were just, just chatting about something or other. And, and Chris said to me, he said, Oh yeah, you know, I teach, I teach sword fighting. And I think my jaw just about hit the floor. And I said, Chris, Chris, how long have we known each other? And he said, I, I don't know, like four or five years. And I said, how come you're not teaching me sword fighting? <laughs> and that was, that was it. That was the start for me. And so he became my first teacher and, awesome. and we started, uh, we started, started training and, and, uh, he really, he really introduced me to it and I never, never stopped ever since then. And, and luckily he's still involved and I, you know, we're, we're still, still good friends cause I haven't severed any of his digits or limbs. Yay! Yep, exactly. And, uh, <laughs> always a positive, but, uh, he introduced me to this whole, this whole group of people that I, I had no idea were out there. And I feel very lucky to have had that influence over the last almost 20 years now. Uh, 18 years somewhere in there yeah it's so cool i mean it's 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 kind of lovely that a friend introduced it to you and you're a friend of patrick's and you introduced it to him and like so it comes from a very organic place you were very kind and let me watch practice uh or watch rehearsal watch training what did i watch well we call it a class class i watched a class but <laughs> I mean, honestly, any of those things are somewhat applicable, right? We're sure. we're trying to train. We're trying to train muscle memory. We're trying to train technique and skill and all of these things. So oftentimes there are, are rote motions that we're doing again and again and again. Um, obviously, there are very specific skills that we're trying to develop, and and that requires rehearsal. It requires practice. So none of these things are wrong ways to think about it. Yeah. Uh, the the big distinction I would say would be inspiring mm -hmm. where you yes. don't know, but even, even at that point you could liken it to improvisation because there are some rules mm -hmm. that you are expected to follow and move through and try and not step out of those things. And those rules vary depending on your level because we are again, always concerned about people being hurt. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, for instance, is not allowed to poke at the face <laughs> or strike. Brennan, I want to poke at the face. <laughs> That's the only way I'll win. That's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. So he's not no, allowed no. to poke at the face. He's not allowed to poke at the face. But but you're right. It is extremely disconcerting when somebody pokes at your face. So it, <laughs> it would be a good strategy if he were allowed to do it. But you're not uh, allowed to do correct. it. Correct. <laughs> he's, also, he's also not allowed at his level to strike to the hands intentionally. Mm. Because hands are delicate. Even if they're armored, there are, are 
so many small little bones in there and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, however, there is really only one spot that is off limits for everybody in terms of striking, and that is the back of the head. You don't ever want to hit the back of the head or neck, and that no matter what level you are, you don't do it. No, don't do it. Yep. It's just too dangerous, uh, that, that sounds very fair. Just like <laughs> the hands, the back of the head, there's all kinds of really great – there's like a spine. There's all that – all oh, those tendons yeah. and nerves. Oh, gosh. And the, you, that medulla oblongata, that reptilian part of the brain that just yeah. keeps you breathing. You just don't want to mess around yeah, with that. Yeah, let's leave that – Let's leave that guy alone. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, so you got started with your friend. Um, were, yes. Did you train under him personally or was there more in your class or was it like a one-on-one session like you and Patrick? Uh, it's, a, it's a great question. So it, it started out the two of us and then there were, there were multiple other people that we were able to draw in. So it became a relatively robust class relatively quickly. So nice. there were two people – that I would say were on Chris and Mai's theater and college experience okay. group that entered into the the group and started training as well. And then I brought a couple of people from my work crowd into the mix as well. So we had uh, between five and six people as students for Chris pretty quickly, which actually is something that I wish I wish I had been able to provide so far for Patrick. Uh, simply because you learn so much more with a variety of people. Yeah, and, versatility. Yeah, yeah, faster. And people people learn at different paces. And and if you're not fighting with just the same person or even training with just the same person, you're seeing, in my instance, five other ways of doing essentially the same things mm-hmm. and five other personalities that change the way I thought about, okay, how am I going to fight against this person or how am I going to address this challenge that this person presents, you know. So I wish that I had been able to do that more with Patrick, although I've been very happy about some of the instances where we've been able to connect with the Portland Dojo right. and, and get a little bit broader experience for him into the mix. It's been it's been really valuable to, uh, for me as a teacher, it's very valuable to see even how my compatriot, that other teacher teaches, but also see how Patrick interacts with those other folks. I really enjoy seeing that. And it reminds me of things that I could have been doing a better job with in terms of making habit for him. So that mm. changed the way then that we started doing classes going forward, or at least some elements of it. it well, very sh- good. Sure. I mean, anytime when you're teaching in a vacuum or you're just doing anything solo, um, it can be really challenging because you get used to the way that you do things and just out of like, Oh, I haven't, I haven't seen anyone else yeah. do this in a long time. So I'm doing the best that I can. Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, so it sounds like we need a director. Talk to me about the levels. Cause in, in general, we think of a lot of, you know, um, uh, Taekwondo. My friend, uh, did Subakdo. Oh, I watched her earn her black belt. Oh, wow. That was cool as hell. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So then you're very familiar with probably a testing scenario. Exactly. And that's exactly the way that this is structured. Uh, There are seven primary levels within the Western Circle, and you can reach those levels both in wood, which is where we start everybody out, uh, and also in steel. So in that regard, you could say, well, there's 14 levels. Oh, dang. Yeah, you could. Really, you're required to develop control with steel once you start training there if you decide to because mm-hmm. even though you've got 
all of these consistencies and a very high level of skill by the time you start potentially working with steel, there's a lot that you have to learn all over again. And there's, there's definitely a scenario in your head where the first time you pick up steel, you think, oh my gosh, this is real in a whole different way than I thought it was. Yeah. Okay. Uh, although all of these things are big levers and the lever has a lot of force behind it. Mm -hmm. So the distinction there with steel is, well, it's a heavier lever. And so you've got to learn control. Sometimes you've got to build up more strength and, or change the way you fight a little bit. Uh, we definitely talk about steel doesn't lie. <laughs> okay. In terms of sometimes there'll be honor battles and whatnot, or things where people have given formal challenges. In the perfect scenario, that would usually happen with steel, assuming both people are ranked to fight with steel, simply because the outcome is usually clearer and it's easier to determine. What is an honor battle? Oh, it could be any number of things. Uh, Usually it wouldn't be something that ever arises out of frustration or anger between people. In fact, one of the things that we work on very hard within the circle is providing an opportunity for people to get rid of any frustrations they have mm -hmm. outside of combat. Yeah, that's not the place for that, to work out your Absolutely shit. Absolutely the wrong place yeah. for it. You do not want it there. Uh, but we have a very specific scenario that we practice and train on in teaching people to communicate. Mm. And... It's called sword honor, and if somebody is beginning to demonstrate sword honor, you better follow their lead, and it's about talking and sorting stuff out. So if there are challenges, that's the way we do it. But it may be that I haven't seen somebody for five years or something within the circle, and they uh, come to an event that we're both at, and I want an opportunity very specifically to fight with them. Mm -hmm. Well, I might specifically go up and formally request that they uh, that they give me the opportunity to fight with them for any number mm -hmm. of battles. And that would be a little bit more of a formal scenario. There are a few things within testing scenarios where you're required to demonstrate a certain level of fighting skill. Okay. Those things would definitely be considered an honor, potentially an honor battle. It's interesting because uh, I, there are three, there are three, rules of swordsmanship that we we espouse within the western circle which are patience respect and awareness those are beautiful things they are we do not put great credence on honor necessarily mm -hmm. so that's something that certainly i would say there is an implicit encouragement towards acting honorably mm -hmm. yet at the same time if you're in a melee situation frequently People will stab each other in the back. They'll come up behind each other and oh. that's it. Although you should do it honorably. If I come up behind somebody, there's no reason for me to wallop them as hard as I would if I were mm -hmm. facing off with them because that's simply not safe. It's also not honorable and there's just no need to do it. So even though honor is not one of the three rules of swordsmanship, mm -hmm. uh, it's something that we think about quite a bit and that might be might be an interesting scenario to, to mix into the mix in there. That's but. interesting. May I see mm, the coin? Certainly. Uh, so yeah, Brennan had a, has a coin here. Is it for, is it swordsmanship or is for Western circle of sword fighters and specifically your, your team's mantra? This, yeah, this, this coin, uh, one of the, one of the teachers within the circle produced a number of these coins. I actually have two of them. Uh, currently, the first one was just given to me along the way. Many people were just given one. Mm -hmm. This one actually was given to me because it was felt that I had earned it. Aww. 
which is nice. So there are a number of different things that happen along the lines of those sorts of things where people will say, hey, you know what? You did a good job and we're going to recognize you in a particular way. And that's actually largely what the the leveling is about. And so within those seven levels, uh, you begin out as a trainee, Mm -hmm. which is somebody who's training, just starting to work within the circle. And there are a number of requirements that they need to reach. Uh, Patrick has reached all of those requirements except for one, which is he needs to attend an event and participate in an event. And that has been challenging since we haven't had any events in the Pacific Northwest. And Mm -hmm. it's always challenging to work out the scheduling to get down to Northern California. But once he attends an event, then I can evaluate him for his first rank, which would actually be a green braid. A green braid. Yep. And green braid is that first rank. And then I can actually start teaching him some new things, Ooh. Yeah, which is, uh, is interesting because we will only work on the things up to green braid mm-hmm. before he receives that rank. And so as you move along, it starts out with braids and there's a green braid, a white rope, and then a red rope. And then it starts to move into chains just simply because because it looks cool sure yeah so the first one looks is pretty cool it does <laughs> the first one the first chain is a crimson chain and then the next one is a silver chain and that is my current rank which is level six and then the final the final chain is a copper chain and that's uh, the level seven fighter and when you're doing it in steel you actually get a rivet on your delmater which is another portion of your uniform that once you reach green braid, you're presented a Delmater from your Caden. And awesome. uh, that is your class uniform going forward. And then you also have to wear it at events as a dem- demonstration of what school you came up in or what the heritage of your school is. Yeah. Uh, which, same thing. That would be that would be something that I would provide to Patrick, both the, the rank in terms of his green braid and then the Delmater as well when he passes that. Uh, so folks might... Uh, think of people getting, you know, their green belts and like the various belts you wear around your waist. These braids, they hang from your sword hilt. Yes. Uh, Actually from a belt. So they hang from a belt. From a belt at your hip. Yeah. And that is required to wear at any event so that when you are at the event, any fighter that you meet, whether you've met them before or not, knows what your rank is. Mm -hmm. And therefore they also know what you are able to do or not do. For instance, poking at the face or striking to the hands. Yes. <laughs> and uh, then they expect you to respect those rules and 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 as well when you're in combat, so that the improvisation is as appropriate as possible, so to speak. Because when you're sparring, it really is just okay. Let's see who can who can get blade on the other person. Yeah. And, and whatnot. Yeah, you jump in and uh, see what skills everybody. Everybody has, but like you said, you've never played with them before, never fought with them. Right. Or you know, do you call it fighting? Yeah, fighting okay. or, or sparring. Sparring. Or, or... Sparring sounds better than fighting. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It it sounds it sounds more technical. Uh, and because you know what they've had to go through in their test to mm-hmm. receive their rank which is exactly as you were describing with your friend, there's a number of different things that they need to demonstrate in terms of skills, in terms of knowledge about various things. And for some ranks, they have to demonstrate certain level of combat skill. So you wouldn't get a rank that would allow you to fight with steel 
if you couldn't demonstrate that you could fight with steel safely yeah you know, to your teachers and this first evaluation for green braid that patrick would go through is one of the very few evaluations that can be a single person evaluating and passing them on after that he'd have to be in front of a council of three mm-hmm. three teachers who would evaluate everything that he did and it needs to be uh it needs to be not unanimous, but it needs to be a majority that approves the rank for that person. So, for instance, Caden uh, Ravenstar, I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, I just went down in October and we tested her for the silver chain rank. And it was uh, it was interesting. Woke her up in the middle of the night and <gasps> ran her through her requirements. And it was uh, it was <laughs> it was hard. It was hard. <laughs> Wait, why did why did you have to wake her up in the middle of the night? She happens to be the wife of the head teacher in Caden, uh-huh. and she is one of the most highly trained and one of the most prepared people out there, partly because of who she is and her nature, but also because she lives at the primary dojo. She trains with wow. the head Caden all of the time. And one of the things that is key in a testing scenario is that we're trying to make things as challenging for the person as possible. Mm. And we want to make sure that they can, they can represent at a certain level, even when they're under a lot of psychological stress. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes a lot of sense because if this were real uh, sword fighting out there in the universe, you don't get to choose when that is necessarily or be totally prepared for it. So Cut. That's not so bad. Waking up in the middle of the night. That's not. It's not like you're throwing her in a lake and then she has to swim out and then you fight you. That happens on other tests. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get your copper. Like your copper. Oh goodness. Yeah. yeah. There, there are. There are some big challenges along the way, and there's definitely things that we. Uh, there are frequently surprise elements to some of the tests. Oh. We are not allowed to speak about to uh, students beforehand. So our job as teachers is to try and prepare them as best as possible Mm. to handle those things when those things come down the pipes. But uh, our goal is to do that. And really at the end of the day, combat and sparring and fighting, whatever we call it, is an extremely psychologically stressful scenario. And so we're trying to make sure that they can still demonstrate that high level of skill, even in that stress, so that in combat, which frankly they get a lot more practice at than a testing scenario mm-hmm. in combat. They can be as safe and as skilled and as understanding of what's happening both for them and for the other person as possible, which is hopefully one of the ways that they continue to learn as well. One of the questions I have for you is, does it play a particular role in your life? Like is it stress, stress relief, connectivity to your body and soul? Is it just for fun? I'm surprised and pleased to hear that it's not, it's not a way to like to blow off steam. It's not just like hacking on a log or like chopping down a tree or flipping a tire. I don't know. That's what I want to do when I'm stressed. I don't know. (laughs) Um, So it makes me happy to hear that this is not the arena for that. This is a calculated and thoughtful and mindful place where we are doing these proficiencies, but we need you to like, keep a lid on it, be cool, be, be mindful. So that being said, does it play a particular role in your life or anything, or is it just really fun? I mean, I don't know. (laughs) This is the question that I always struggle with the most. Uh, And you're not the first person that's asked me something Mm -hmm. like this. And I certainly have spent a lot of time 
thinking about it myself, what is it that I really, really love about this? And I have some answers. I don't know that they're complete answers. That's okay. I always wonder if I'm being 100% honest with myself. And the reason I struggle with it is I do not like the idea of thinking that I like it because it somehow gives me some sort of dominion over people by being good at it or beating somebody in in a combat scenario uh, or anything like that. I'm not much of a concerned about power person at all. Mm -hmm. And so I don't like... I don't like to think that it that might be part of it. I also don't like to think about the fact that, well, these are deadly weapons. And I, I have, at some point, a fascination with deadly weapons. I watch a lot of true crime, and I'm here to tell you being fascinated with something and being interested in something. I think Ted Bundy's fascinating. Read books on him, seen specials on him. Horrible person. I don't think I'm a, a psycho killer. <laughs> I don't think I'm a, a gross weirdo. There is, so I'm just saying, like, being interested in these, in that particular facet of it. Yeah. I, I think that's like someone being really into true crime or any sort of, um, thing that gets into like the dangerous or what have you. Yeah. Well, there's a, so. there's a dopamine. A dopamine rush, an adrenaline rush involved in this for sure. Yeah, for sure. You can't, you can't get away from that. And there's a lot of other things I do in my life that bring those sorts of things in there. So it's certainly possible that there's a, a bit of a, a, an addiction to those, those hormones and, and whatnot going on in the mix there. I absolutely don't want to hurt anybody. It's part of, of the, re- part of the reason that that teacher of mine was so specific about saying, yeah. hey, you know, you need to let go of any guilt that you have about this for, for hurting somebody. And I, I do worry about it if I, if, if I injure somebody. And the sad thing is, is because of the nature of this, just like anything else that's pretty extremely physical, you do get hurt sometimes. And you hope that it's mitigated by the armor and the control that people have and, and whatnot. So at the end of the day, the thing that really keeps me doing it more than anything else is partly that that rush and connection, but specifically how that rush and dopamine and adrenaline is factored in with the other person that I'm there and involved with. Mm, I yeah, it is an incredibly intense experience that suddenly is a shared experience with another person. Yeah, so it has led to some incredible friendships. And incredible levels of trust with the people that I've been doing with this with for a long time. I mean, there are people, there are people within this group that I know if I needed help in probably any aspect of my life, I can go to them and say, Hey, can you help me? And I have little or no doubt that they would say, Yep. What do you need? And that's the thing that I think keeps me coming back to it more than anything else is that when you're in that, that moment and fighting with that person or sparring or with that person is that you have this intense shared experience and you come out of that and you're like, all right, we just had this experience together. I love you. And it's, it's a funny, funny way to say it, but there are people that I feel incredibly close to in the circle that I mm-hmm. don't know very well outside of combat. And then of course there are the ones that friendships have developed much further, like with Patrick, for instance, and we've had a lot of opportunity for that. And, and I think that's part of the way I make it okay for me to be interested and excited about continuing in this thing that uh, ostensibly is learning to do harm to another person. And yet 
we find ways that that's not what it's about. So it's very, very interesting. I think that's the core of why I keep doing it and what is really interesting to me about it more than anything else is shared experience. I like to ask people why people like stuff. Uh, And more often than not, it's about connectivity or it's about um, shared experiences or it's about like self-care in some variety. And I think that that's a beautiful reason. And it's okay to not have a complete answer and that that answer keeps changing because every relationship changes in your life as we go forward, right? Let's talk about armor. So your armor, obviously we have these wooden swords. They're really pretty intense. We have metal swords that happen eventually. Um, So you need to protect yourself. How? (laughs) 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 Because this isn't gear that's readily available. No, it's uh, it's not. And there are all sorts of ways that people choose to do it. And there are considerations in how you do it as well. So within the Western Circle, there are actually very light armor requirements. Although at certain stages we start to say, okay, you really need to make sure that you're protecting some things. Hands, neck is Mm -hmm. a big one. We get real concerned about protecting all the stuff around the neck. Uh, Helmets are very important. Uh, You have the choice to, though, use very minimal armor if you choose to. Very few or nobody anymore chooses to do that because, yeah, you're going to get walloped. Why Why tempt the universe? I mean, you know you're playing against other humans who are... Fallible and... Yeah. yeah sure. And you are also, as the person being playing, are also fallible, so... <laughs> Absolutely. Well, when it began, I mean, people were, were young and, and the group that was very, very interested in driving it were probably in high school themselves and uh-huh. and they didn't necessarily consider things like mortality we're or, young infinity exactly, we exactly. can do anything jump off a wall i don't and, know and look we're starting out with broom handles and in fencing masks because we can do that and mm. oh wow that hurts we better figure out how we're going to do this and eventually maybe we're going to try and keep ourselves a little safer so what most people do is they end up building their armor that's very very close to full suits of medieval or western style armor although some people use japanese style armors as their base concepts and whatnot and it really becomes down to the individual but typically there's a primary body protection piece and arms and hands to a certain extent certainly a helmet a gorget which is a a, a neck piece that protects that in particular we don't use chainmail very often Although there will be sections of armor that have chainmail. So, for instance, the neck protection, which mm-hmm. in my case, and I believe Patrick is using another one of my gorgets. It's he a big, is using your gorget. Yeah, it's a big metal collar, essentially, that goes around your neck. And it protects against both impact and cut. But I think on the gorget that Patrick has, it has a chainmail piece off the front of it. And the reason for that is that if a thrust strikes and lands on his chest and starts to slide up, Mm. which could potentially slide under the gorget and be bad. That would be real bad. Yeah. Having the chain mail there, it'll hang up on that chain mail and it reduces the potential for it to get under the armor. So sometimes we'll use chain mail in areas like that to protect from stuff that's sliding uh, and, and minimize the potential for accidental punctures, you know, which sometimes can happen for sure. So the armor is typically made out of a combination of leather, leather, plastic, and metal. Okay. And that's actually part of the the answer to why somebody might want less armor. 
those things get heavy. And they potentially restrict movement if you're actually really trying to protect yourself. All of this is part of the equation when you're out there in combat and you're sparring with people. Mm -hmm. And if you're going for a long day of fighting and you're weighed down with all this stuff, uh, it also will absorb sweat and get heavier and it's hot and all of these things. So (laughs) Didn't even think about sweat. Didn't even think about it. Oh, gosh, it's intense. Uh, But people tend to want to build their armor as light as they possibly can Mm -hmm. without sacrificing protection. And, of course, those two things are directly opposed to each other so people play with their armor and just like a relationship people modify how their armor works for them over the course of their career as a sword fighter and are always looking for ways to refine their ability to move in their armor refine their amount of protection figure out how to make it lighter without sacrificing those other things Uh, so it's very interesting to see how that happens Uh, there are a ton of armorers out there in the world and Thank goodness for the internet. Yes. I can tell you in the 20 years that I've been doing this, there is much more and much better options that are available now. Yeah. Simply because there are all these tiny, tiny craft artisans who make all sorts of armor. And they have enough of a market because they can advertise internationally or nationally. that and there's enough people that can find them that they can actually be in business. That being said... Most of us, if we buy something that is production or even custom, probably end up modifying it a little bit also, that's, simply simply for our own tastes. Well, well, that's that's also something that when Patrick was, um, I finally joined the party in in Seattle. <laughs> he's like, "I'm looking for helmets." I'm like, "Real quick, what?" Um, <laughs> and that's when I watched you guys um, uh-huh. teach a class. Then, then I'm like, okay, I understand what fighting we're talking about now and what weapons we're using. Mm-hmm. Um, that explains why you need a helmet. Because um, typically you don't need like a helmet for, you know, Subakdo or, or Taekwondo or the right. usual um, martial arts that you think of. And we were looking at, at stuff online and there are a lot of beautiful things out there, but they are not functional. Like there are some yes. really cool helmets that you're like, oh my God, this would be perfect. They are not functional. They are not meant to be worn on a head or accidentally donked with a sword. Um, yep. So like sifting through what could work, what could not work. I think Patrick got riot gear. He a did. Little bit. He did. Although he's using one of my, he's using one of my older helmets. Okay. And he certainly, yeah, he has riot gear for his primary armor, which is good. It's light, gives you good protection. You can move relatively well in it. I always am a. And little... we're riot ready, which I love. <laughs> I've always. Do you have a set also? I don't. <laughs> I need to make some, or I need to get my own his and hers riot outfits. Oh gosh, it would. You've got to be prepared for the apocalypse. It's true every day. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but he is, yeah, he's using one of your helmets um, and your gorget. Thank you for giving him these things, by the way, oh, well, <laughs> or certainly. letting him borrow these I mean, things. I, I want him to be protected and it is slightly selfish in nature because I know that if he gets hurt, he's going to be less excited about, mm. uh, about continuing in terms of sword fighting. But also, I don't want to hurt him. Yeah. So I want him to have functional and good and in quality armor and and that that makes a difference for sure thank you oh certainly (laughs) (laughs) it also makes me less crabby too if he's if he's not hurt (laughs) well it makes i think it i think it's good everybody it's good for our triumvirate veterate or 
our menage a trois for the three of us all together. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. But <laughs> Keeps all our relationships strong. Yeah, it does. It's good. All because of the gorget. Read into that what you will. Um <laughs> I believe gorget is a French word. It is. The foundation of the armor that I'm using now did start as a motorcycle jacket. Aha. I got myself a motorcycle jacket because I liked the aesthetic of the particular piece. Mm -hmm. And then I spent an entire winter here in the Pacific Northwest where Hillary titled the armor My Second Girlfriend. Because oh, I spent God. hundreds of hours disassembling this expensive jacket and then reassembling it to my specification <laughs> with a lot more a lot more protection built into it. So I've got additional padding through the torso. Mm. I've got plates in particular along the sides of it internally so that if I take a rib shot, that disperses the impact where there wasn't that sort of padding prior on the motorcycle jacket. And so overall, I, I started with that and then built the rest of it out of that. So Okay. Um, I seem to remember the motor ja motorcycle jacket being involved somehow. And I thought, yeah, I'm like, that's pretty clever. Cause look, that's made for a reason to protect people, but mm -hmm. obviously not get serve all the functions you need. Cause you're like a, um, like I'm thinking of a potato bug, how they have those little plates <laughs> on them everywhere. Like the, that would be good. Like plated it, armor. It could be. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> and I mean, and that's actually a very interesting thing is a lot of us will look at historical options for armor. Yes. And there's a lot of good things to learn from that. Uh, but most of us don't have historically accurate armor because for one reason or another, we believe that we can build better than historically good armor, or we're not fighting in quite the same way, like actually to the death. And so... <laughs> so I have to ask you and Patrick to stop if it comes to the death. Oh, I'm I, also very fond of you, Brennan. So like, oh, not to the you. death, please. Thank you. Safety first, man, for real oh, for and sure. for And what I like is that you can go, you can nerd out hard if you want to. <laughs> like you can, yes. you can go at it from a historical aspect. You can go at it for like functionality. You can mm -hmm. go at it at so many different ways. Like what kind of sword fighting uniform do you want? Like that's an interesting piece of creativity that is not necessarily in uh, other uh, martial arts. Yeah, absolutely. We're not required to use super specific weapons or armor or anything we can build our own which yeah. is very interesting and to be honest that's one of the things that has influenced the way we fight and when we've brought in other types of weapons it's because people said hey what happens if i do this mm -hmm. and we tried it and it worked or it didn't work and we have a process for evaluating those sorts of things so that it is a living martial art it continues to grow and change and whatnot we have a governing body uh, that is the Western, the, the council of the Western Circle, and that's formed of three members. And then we have a head caden. And those two groups split in terms of decision making and whatnot, because we don't want all the power to be with just one group or another. Sure. You know, much like the government, we want to, you know, try and broaden spread, it out. Spread the yeah, love. Exactly. Yeah, let's make sure everyone's involved. Exactly. So the head <laughs> Caden may bring something to the table and say, hey, I think that this is a change that we should consider. And the council will take a look at it and discuss it. And if we can come to a uh, an agreement on that, then we'll bring it back to the head Caden and say, yes, this makes sense. Or mm, this makes sense with such 
such and said modifications. And this can be applied to everything. So this is the governing body of, of the Western circle or those two primary heads. And we make sure that we're maintaining patients' respect and awareness and all the other things that we hope that the Western circle stands for within, within the circle. Uh, and at the same time, always are trying to make it safer, a better learning environment, uh, more true to, hey, this is as real as we can make it Yeah. Uh, in terms of sword fighting and so on and so forth. Has anything surprised you with your journey into this craft? Oh, yes. When I started, I I loved it right away for the reasons I think that we've spoken about. And I, I wasn't able to put that into words at the time. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely loved it. But I never thought that I would be at all interested in working with steel when I started. Oh. So I started out with wood and I thought, oh, no, no, steel sounds like a terrible idea. And... Uh, scary and all of these things. And then when the opportunity came around, I'd been doing it for a few years at that point and developed a, a level of skill and whatnot. And, and I did try it and, and I was very surprised that I was interested in it and continuing. And I would say that the majority of my training these days is in steel and practice and whatnot. And I, I hesitate to say that wood is easy after that, but it doesn't require as much strength to control. And if hmm. you can develop, if you can develop the, the skill to a high level with the heavier weapons and with the concern about, okay, this weapon can do more damage. It's an easy transition to, to wood. And so, uh, the majority of my training has been there, but that surprised me tremendously. Uh, I did not at all expect that I would be interested in doing that. Uh, to a certain extent, I'm surprised that I'm still doing it at the level that I'm I'm doing it uh, and very interested in being involved. I'm pretty involved in the circle. I am one of those council members. Of oh, nice. Those, those three of the, the council. And I didn't even ask that. Oh, Sorry. I should have okay. asked that probably. Uh, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> uh, but I never, that's another thing. I never thought that I would be as engaged in the, the governance with the group or that I would potentially even have the experience to... A, be asked and then feel that that was appropriate to mm-hmm. to be involved within the group. So uh, that certainly is an interesting thing. And then, of course, I like to think that I like to think that I like people and I just engage with people and hopefully make friends easily and whatnot. But I am surprised at the depth of some of the friendships that started within the Western Circle and. Yeah. Uh, Although that's more just happy and pleased with rather than surprised, I suppose, is a more more accurate way to say it. Uh, but just like being within the Western Circle gives the opportunity to spar and practice these skills mm-hmm. that otherwise there wouldn't be wouldn't be an opportunity to, also being in the Western Circle ensures that I will continue those relationships. Yeah. And that is that's always a very nice, nice yeah. scenario. I'm not good necessarily at keeping connection with people if I'm not seeing them all, all the time. It's hard. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm with you. It's hard. One of my deepest spots of guilt, you know, uh, I realized that my best friends over the years are the ones that, uh, the ones that were okay if we don't talk to each other for yeah. sometimes years at a time. And 
I realize that they're the ones that operate exactly the same way that I do in, mm -hmm. in that regard. And luckily we've found each other and that works out great. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love that too. Like talking on the phone is really hard for me. It's really it's hard for me. I don't like it. I, I will do it for folks who I love and who that's how they communicate best. And I'll put it on speakerphone and I'll draw while I talk. Oh. And that alleviates whatever phone anxiety that is. I That's don't, interesting. I'm I don't gonna, know what that is. I'm going to have to try that. It, uh, I, I do not like to talk on the phone at all. It's what not do, like I don't do love them. Uh, it depends. Um, I have a couple of shapes that I repeat a lot in my drawings. They're mostly just doodle based mm -hmm. shapes, mountains, um, mm. the occasional tree or leaf, but usually just, um, uh, as my art teacher told me at the College of Santa Fe, uh, <laughs> I'm a difficult abstractionist. So difficult abstractionist things. <laughs> so doodles. <laughs> well, now if we are ever talking on the phone, A, I'll be flattered. Okay. And, and B, I'm just going to be imagining you Bob Rossing the crap out of <laughs> the other end of the line it's gonna be great <laughs> yeah or or i'm cleaning there are two things uh, yeah. yeah both are great for the other half of my brain that apparently is like talking on the phone having conversations like this all day man right? all day yeah but um all of this is to say that yes having those relationships can be hard i will say this for these when you spar and stuff that is a very intimate relationship like you have to be super trusting and they have to trust you. So it makes a lot of sense that you would have a deeper connection because even if like, no, it's big trust. Big trust is like, hey, you have a sword. I have a sword. We're going to wail on each other now. And let's, here we go safely, respectfully and patiently with awareness there. Oh, very, <laughs> was very nice. I was reading the coin, <laughs> smooth as silk. No one could tell. <laughs> so is there anything else uh, you would like to know about Western Circle or anything else that you want to share at all just uh, in life? The only thing that comes to mind, if, if by chance mm -hmm. somebody local listens to this and uh, is fascinated, they should definitely <gasps> hit us up. Get in touch with you. Yeah, get in touch with me and see if they're see if they're interested in in taking classes and growing the Western Circle in Pacific Northwest here in Seattle. Uh, we try really hard to have classes a couple of times a month. Yeah, and uh, both my schedule and Patrick's schedule is is a little bit squirrely, and that can make it hard sometimes. The more people we inject into that, the more potential there is for a little bit more regular stuff, even if not everybody can be there. Yeah. And that would be a big positive. And as I mentioned before, the more people that we have in the group, the better it is for learning both for the students, but yeah. also for myself as a, as a teacher and the opportunities for us all to grow. So I'm always looking for, for students. And uh, it sounds silly to throw that in. It almost feels like the, the board pitch, I guess, at the end. But... Uh, but always, always doing that. So reach out to me. Is okay. it okay if I just throw my information yeah. out there? Or is that absolutely. Not? No, okay. you, you absolutely can. Okay. In which case then the, the best way to get a hold of me and touch base is at my email address, brennan.marquez at gmail.com. So that's B-R-E-N-N-A-N dot M-A-R-Q-U-E-Z. 
And if you're interested in looking up the Western Circle ahead of time, you can just look at westerncircleofswordfighters.org. Okay. And that'll get you there. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I'm... I mean, I know that I have tens of thousands of listeners, but I'm realizing, like, <laughs> locally, I don't think you should be hit with an onslaught. You should be good. Well, frankly, I'd love it if there was an onslaught. That would be great. Okay. And, and we can we can start from there. So I it's love always, it. always nice. Thank you for the opportunity. My pleasure. Thank you for joining me. And um, I'm going to post pictures of the really cool stuff that you brought in today. And I like to end with my patented musical arm farts. They're not patented. They're just musical arm farts. I forgot to brief you on this part of it. No, but I've, I think I've heard this. You've and, heard it? Yeah, I've heard this. So as all you do, well, my guest, I invite my guest to join me. So you just blow on your arm. Oh, you can oh, blow on oh, your forearm. Right. or your, Yeah. Okay. So ready? And... A bear. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today, Brennan. Thank you, Sarah. Have a great day.